The first reading today will be Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. He will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God his Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is he, this king of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the King of Glory. The second reading is from Mark 12. Let us listen to what the Spirit has to say to us today. Then they sent to him some Pharisees and some Herodians to trap him in what he said. And they came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are sincere and show deference to no one, for you do not regard people in par with partiality, but teach the way of God in accordance with truth. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, why are you putting me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me see it. And they brought one. Then he said to them, Whose head is, is this and whose title? They answered, The emperor's. Jesus said to them, Give to the emperor the things that are the emperor's and to God the things that are God's. And they were utterly amazed at him. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Will you pray with me? Holy God, as we come to this text, help us to open our hearts to your wisdom, to your ways. Transform us as we listen by the power of your spirit. Amen. So politics and transform, transforming the world and thinking of politics, which is one of those hard areas in our lives. Uh, what comes to your mind when you hear the word currently in our current context? Fear, okay? Disagreement. A lot of feelings very emotionally charged conversations uh, that we may have. Uh, think of some of the issues uh, that are hot button right now in our country. Name some. North Korea, okay? There's a hot button issue. What to do about that? What else? Gun violence, what, what is it? Immigrants, yes, or 
depending on your perspective, illegal or undocumented. That's, that's a perfect example of how we speak about it because sometimes even speaking about gun violence or gun control, right away, we separate ourselves from each other in the way we speak about these issues. A lot of, uh, in the first service, we showed an image of Colin Kaepernick uh, kneeling and, and all the emotions in our country around that one issue of someone protesting and then people taking offense and taking sides. And I'm sure there was one family we were talking about, you know, mom had a very different view than the daughter. It's not unusual in our own families. The problem comes from those kinds of conversations that lead us to really walk away from each other. You reach a point where you're like, I can't talk to this person. There's no hope. Have you ever done that? I have. Certainly have on many issues with, with really close friends or really good family members. And you just say, I can't deal with this anymore. It's too, and as <laughs> Stella is not here with us right now, but yeah, I agree with her. Using your words could be really not useful because you end up actually causing more harm with the way you speak about uh, certain issues and to, to certain people. So how do we come together as people, as people of faith to really, change the world, to ch transform our ways of taking care of our cities, our country, our world, and to look at these things that divide us so much, knowing the context of our country. Uh, a, a recent uh, study from the Pew Research Center shows that this is becoming more and more of an issue. It, people have disagreed on politics for a long time, but now we really see each other more, as more divided. Just to give you an example, in 1994, according to the research, uh, only 16% of Democrats saw um, Republicans as really people who are really dis, uh, un, uh, unapproved of or disfavor, saw them with disfavor. So that's the that's the percentage. Fast forward to 2017, the percentage is 44% of Democrats seeing um, Republicans as really bad with disfavor. So it's really amazing. That, and the same would be on the other side. Actually, the percentage is pretty close. 17% and 90, uh, 94 for the Republicans seeing um, Democrats and 90 in 2017, it's about 45%. So you could see the divide growing. Instead of people just disagreeing, now people really look at the other side as the enemy, basically. They're really, really wrong. You can't even talk to them because they're just, they can, we cannot come together in any way or, or fashion. So with that context in mind, how do we look at Jesus? How do we see the faith? And seeing that faith could be one of the most div divisive issues uh, among people. Have you ever had that experience with faith, religious people, where you really disagree and you use religion as the, the tool for disagreement? I've seen it where people use the Bible or use Jesus to say, you know, you're not good enough for me. So how do we come and listen to this message of challenge today? And I don't claim, just a disclaimer from the beginning, I don't claim that I have the answer because I fail 
I fail miserably a lot of times. I try, and it's very tough sometimes when, when issues of justice come up. For me, I have, a, I have many blind spots where I struggle. But I know, I know the example of Jesus that it does help us. It does move us away from hard places where we disagree with others to really coming and speaking to one another in faith and in love. And so the example here is a very divisive issue for the time, taxes, paying taxes to the emperor. Jesus is in the temple. And so these people come to trap him. They're upset with him. They want to they wanna catch him at saying something they disapprove of. Have you ever had that happen to you? They want to know where you stand so they could really put you in a box. So we make sure we know where you stand on this issue. We make sure we uh, can dismiss you or really be, be on the same team with you. And so Jesus is faced with two groups here. One is the Pharisees, one is the Herodians. And the context is really important. First, it's the temple. Second, these two groups disagreed vehemently against each other when it came to taxes, whether to pay taxes to the emperor or not. Now, taxes have always been hard for people, but more so when there is an empire occupying your land. Can we relate to that? We can, because we've had that experience as people in this country where we have a ruling uh, empire somewhere else, and they still want taxes. So Jesus is faced with two groups. One saying, you know, we should pay the taxes because, you know, what choices do we have? We aggravate Rome, then it's a big problem. We should pay the tax. That's the Herodians. Then we have the Pharisees saying, no, this is really bad. We, we cannot pay. Uh, this is an occupation. We, this is illegitimate. We shouldn't pay them. So they come to Jesus, and I, what do you think? If, if Jesus said, yeah, you should pay taxes, one group was going to be really upset with him. If he said, no, you shouldn't pay taxes, another group was going to be upset with him. So no matter how he responded, it would have been a trap. He would have been seen as siding with one group or another. And I'm sure Jesus had his own politics and his views on what to do about the taxes, but he was there as a teacher, and he was trying to help them see the issue from a higher perspective, and knowing that if he answered it one way or another, it wouldn't have solved anything for them. They would have just walked away, gotten what they wanted, and dismissed the whole conversation. And so he works more on the transformation of these people instead of just telling them what to think and what to do. Uh, so it wasn't just a politically savvy answer like politicians do, you know, answer, you know, you, you hear them being asked a question and they go into a whole different area. You're like, what? You didn't answer that question. But Jesus instead engages the people and helps them to think about it, to really look at themselves in the issue, not just sit there and make a proclamation, a political pro proclamation. So what Jesus does is brilliant. First, he asks them for a denarius. Now, a denarius would have had the image of the emperor on it. And for the Jewish people, this would have been not okay to carry into the temple because of one of the commandments. What does it say about idols? 
no other gods. So this is, you know, to have an image of a, a human being on a, a coin and to bring it into the temple would have been considered an act of idolatry. Uh, I uh, often think of Presbyterian churches. You look around, do you see any images? The closest we get is stained glass, a little bit of art, but we're very um, much against any images. Now, this is, of course, our heritage from the Reformation, for good or for bad. That's the theology behind it, is that you don't want images, lest the people start worshiping the images. And so we have Jesus highlighting this issue for them. You have in your pocket the denarius. You're not supposed to have it in the temple. They shouldn't have had it. That's why they have money changers out there. They shouldn't have had that money, that coin in their pocket. So first, he exposes their hypocrisy. They shouldn't, have, they shouldn't be carrying that. Then second, he asks them to look at it from the perspective of God. Uh, Michelle read for us the 24th Psalm. What did it say, the first verse? Any of you remember? The earth is the Lord's and all that is in it, the world and all who live in it. So that's the first verse, a very prominent uh, idea for the Jewish people and for us to think about God ultimately is the owner of everything. So when he says to them, what, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and what belongs to God, give to God, he's really challenging their understanding of these two being separate and saying, basically, if you pay attention to your faith, that everything belongs to God. So how could they give anything to Caesar? When you think about that statement, how radical that is, you're giving to God everything, ultimately. Now, most of us believe, believe this, but it is hard to practice to practice especially those two things that Jesus was proclaiming. First, our own hypocrisy, our own ways of looking at power, manipulating power, manipulating politics to our own benefit without looking at the common good. The second piece is looking at God's perspective that all of the earth belongs to God, especially when it comes to looking at the people you disagree with or the people you label as being evil or bad. It's very challenging to think of that when we have our own categories, whether it's political or real, because there are people that really aggravate us and put us at danger. I mean, that, that's the real truth. Uh, how many of us would want to have a, a thief come into our house and say, well, I'm going to see you as a child of God. Here, take what I have. Most of us would be calling the police um, and asking for help because that's, you know, that's how we live. That's the world we live in. But from a higher perspective, when we look at the world and the challenges of the world, this is the, the challenge and invitation for you today. Transformation is not easy. It's not, if you, if you look at your own politics and you look at your, how you vote and what, what people really stand uh, for your values, is it that they stand for your values or that their values become your values? So there's a difference in terms of it, what motivates you when you think about politics. 
And it's hard to sort it all out. It's not all easy and simple, you know, that, okay, I really believe in, in uh, taking care of the environment, but my personal practices don't always reflect my beliefs. There is a, a certain level of hypocrisy. I like to drive my car every day to work. On days when I can be walking, there are many beautiful days, and, and I'm oh, riding my bicycle. But I have a heavy backpack. I, I go through this in my head, like, oh, well, you know, what if I get called for a pastoral emergency? I always have an excuse in my head. You know, I, you know, I, I could be called any minute to go see somebody, and then I wouldn't have a car. All of these things that come up just to justify what I already believe. So the hypocrisy is there for each one of us if we're really honest with ourselves. And, and it's not to feel bad about ourselves, but to really be aware when we speak to those on the other side, to really acknowledge that we don't always have the truth, and the truth is elusive to most of us because that is bigger than our one perspective or one set of experiences. And then to look at things from God's perspective, that's another challenge, to look at those tough issues, whether it's immigration or gun uh, laws or whatever it is that really pushes your button or makes you worry. I mean, some of us are truly worried about certain things. I know for me as a parent, thinking of the school shootings, it makes me sick. Every time my daughter goes to high school, I think, you know, and I have to let go of my fear because that's, that's, you know, the world around us is changing and that is a real possibility in any, on any given day for any community. So to think how to look at those things that are very emotional for us from a higher perspective, not an easy task, but to really believe, examine that belief and the practice behind it, that the whole earth belongs to God the people we like and the people we don't like, the people we agree with, the people we disagree with. All of them belong to God. All of them are created in the image of God. Might be distorted in some of them more than others, but not, nonetheless, God cares about them and God would like us to practice the same ethic. Now, I'm gonna ask you to do something um, that is very un-Presbyterian. I'm going to invite you to turn to your neighbors and talk to them about politics. <laughs> turn to them if you find one or two, three neighbors, depending on their groupings in the pew. And if you're sitting by yourself, you don't want to talk to anybody. You came today just to worship. That's fine. No, no coercion here. But if you're willing to practice just talking about one thing that really triggers you right now, to really think about this piece. The first piece is humility, how you may practice humility in dealing with that when it comes to that one issue. Second is how could you see it from God's perspective? Is that okay? What are you gonna say? No, it's not, Rula. Bad idea. That's just as good of an idea as the children's sermon. <laughs> All right, so turn to your neighbors. We'll take a few minutes, and, and if you want to pray together about what, whatever is uh, heavy on your heart, go for it. But again, respect. This is, you're not going to prove your point. Just make sure you're not proving a point here.
talk about it. <laughs> oh, what did you have? At least you didn't have Mike. <laughs> oh, Mike Cassidy. Oh, oh, interesting, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, Elizabeth uh, Grisby. Her name is Elizabeth Grisby? She's new. She's new, yeah. Oh, well, he could talk to anybody. That's right. Yeah. I know, I'm glad you asked. How do you feel? And I try, you know, a lot of times I feel, well, he's a child of God, you know. He's misguided, but, you know, it doesn't take away the image of God in him, you know. And I... And, and you know when I hear actually there was some I think it was uh, Kelly was talking about him saying you know you know he really stresses out about this and that and I thought you know what you probably tell to the world is yeah that was sitting here. to the world. You never know what they're going to say. But it was so appropriate and benign, too, you know, like not, not anything horrible. So anyway, I, I was thinking of, you know, I always think, you know, maybe he puts on this hat, you know, that he does because he's, he's feeling attacked, you know, like that's his way, that's how he's going to deal with things when he feels attacked and he lashes out and it's like, so he's in pain. Yeah. 
like the um, well, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like I have to tell them, you're not calling what you think. That's she has to come to her own conclusion from this. And I was like, oh, I hate this. I may be dead. All right. You look like you're having so much fun. I hate to break it up. <laughs> Any insights? Any insights that you'd like to share? Oh, I thought I heard yes. <laughs> you can continue this following the service. Phew. I just want to say the importance of praying. Oh. Is it on? It's not on? It's well, hello? Okay. I just um, want, I'm Hugh Iwanaki, and I just want to kind of stress the importance of praying for our political leaders. Uh, some people may not be aware that our president actually is a, of a Presbyterian background, which is he grew up in the Presbyterian Church USA, and so this is something we can pray for him and also maybe kind of leverage that as far as that we have that connection to the president that we didn't have before. So that's my two cents. Thank you. Now you're getting political. <laughs> when, he, when he grew up, did he attend church? See, it's, it's tough. It's tough to reflect and to look at the political leaders. And I, I have to say that a lot of times, you know, political leaders reflect back to us who we are. I mean, as much as we may not like a certain leader and think, you know, they're the worst thing, they are representing a part of the country or a group or a city and so it's tough to accept that these are and it's easy to say well they're just so bad that that group but to really see that there are people that really see the world in that way whether right or wrong any other reactions I uh, read uh, in preparation. You can you can continue this following the service. Actually, it is a good conversation. It, believe me, it's one of those things where you avoid. But when you talk to others, especially in a, an attitude of humility and listening, you do find that some of the bigger concerns are the same with others. I mean, the people that you think they're really totally on the opposite side of you, you do have some common ground with, with them, and there are some common basic human needs that we all could connect with each other on. But when things get spun in order to benefit a certain group or uh, political kind of messaging, then we lose that sense of depth for each other and, and the compassion and care that we can give to each other. I read a, a quote and I thought that was really good about kind of, it summarizes the political process sometimes of saying, you know, if uh, a tax, and this is a tax quote, so if, if a tax um, law benefits you, it's tax reform. If it benefits the other person, it's a loophole. Think about that. And that's how we tend to see things. You know, if it depends on where we sit. If, um, you know, Bill, as you think of immigrants and, and people who might be migrating based on whatever circumstance they might, I'm very sensitive to that issue, being an immigrant myself, and thinking about that, and how could we talk about it where we might sit and really um, 
listen to the passion behind both sides or the three-fourth sides. Sometimes we think that it's one side or two sides or people could really be either for or against and maybe there's a lot more that we could work together on. And not just from a political process, but really from that higher perspective of God. And really to keep in mind how challenging that is. And I'll end with a story. And the story is about a man who, again, it's a story in politics, if you will, a man who made a vow to God if all of his troubles were resolved, he was gonna sell his house and give all of his money to the poor. And it came to be. All of his problems were resolved, and so he felt compelled that he had to fulfill his vow to God. So he was facing a dilemma. He didn't want to really sell the house and give the money to the poor, but he made the vow. So he decided to sell the house for one coin. One coin. And then the house came with a cat, and the cat was worth 10000 So he sold the house and gave the money to the poor and kept the proceeds from the cat. Very, very pessimistic kind of story, but hope, <laughs> hopefully we can, it can help us think about how we tend to do politics and how we view politics and the invitation to take a higher road, the, the way of Christ, the way where we could engage with each other and look that the world, all of it, belongs to God. Amen.